0: Welcome to Real Life Rescues. A podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Otsala. Welcome to another uh, episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm
1: Raphael. And I'm Dovey Mazel with you again. And uh, today we're going to talk about... Is there a doctor on the plane? Is there a doctor on the plane? Um,
0: we've had a number of situations recently, I think I think two in the last week, uh, where volunteers of ours were in transit and they uh, they were called to rescue people
1: on their very own plane. I think that most of us... That have ever done any sort of air travel is very familiar with that. A call going off of the PA on the on the plane, saying, "Is there a doctor on the plane?" So uh, most people will just look at each other and like, "What's going on?" And us medics will always jump up. And us medics with a lot of experience over the years understand, "Wow, we're getting bonus points, <laughs> <laughs> but not bonus pay, sadly, not bonus pay."
0: Um, Yeah, bonus points are always good. Um, And uh, we hope it's not too urgent an emergency when we get that call because... As we all know, there are limited things you can
1: do on a plane, but there's still stuff that you can do. Actually, it depends on the on the flight, how far you're going. And I know that, well, when we travel from Israel, at least, coming into the U.S. to put things into perspective is a transatlantic uh, 12-hour flight. Between 12 to 16... Minimum, minimum. Between 12 hours. and 16 hours, are we flying to New York? Are we flying to, to L.A. or San Francisco? We're talking about anywhere between 12 and 16 hours. And whenever I get on a plane and I've been air traveling for the past over 20 years, 25 years, um, is I'm always thinking, okay, um, I know there's going to be that call over the PA saying there's the, there's our doctor on the plane. And then I immediately start thinking, okay, what's the nearest airport in the worst case scenario, where are we going to land this plane? So that's fine when we're flying over Europe or over the U S but what happens over the Atlantic when you have a two and a half hour in any direction to the nearest airport. At least, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You so, end up in the middle of Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we've, I've been to Iceland and, then uh, Halifax and all sorts of other crazy places in the tip Gander, of the earth. Gander, Gander Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah, basically. the, the furthest uh, airport out into the, uh, to the ocean. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so it just makes it more exciting. I know that when we when we're, we're, when we're on the ambulances here, or, you know, going on the rig, and and you're thinking about the call and what's your nearest hospital you're thinking, you're thinking okay 10 15 minutes to here 20 minutes to here what's the worst case scenario up in the air you're like hmm okay where are we going and what right. are we doing
0: and suddenly if you have a if you have a scoop and run situation you, you can't run anywhere so you, whatever you're scoop doing <laughs> whatever you're doing is stay in place so so basically uh, you, you, assuming you're over the land if you're you know over let's say the United States or over Europe or something, there's a lot of different options of where you can land the plane and how long it'll take you to get there. Um, but if you have a situation where it's urgent and you are happening to be over the Atlantic, the Pacific, wherever it is uh, in an area where there are no airports or viable airports for a good couple hours, uh, you got to be there with a the patient for a bit.
1: So, yeah. So, so I'll just take you to one of my stories um, and I've treated dozens over the years, dozens of patients on, on uh, in, in flight and and actually, as a paramedic, when when I get on the plane, I'm 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 one of those that walks up to the flight manager as I'm boarding, and I uh, introduce myself, say I'm a paramedic, and I'm sitting in 39 F or whatever, um, <laughs> and, and 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 if you need anything, so if I'm sleeping, they actually I will actually not only go over the loud over the PA, but they'll actually send someone over and and wake me up and say that they have a call. And and a few years back, and this was already a while ago. Um, I was in flight to the U S we were somewhere over the Atlantic and uh, somebody's shaking me, waking me up and saying that they have a patient that that they want me to look at. And I'm taken to the galley of the back of the plane and there's a patient on the floor unresponsive. And I'm like, okay, I need a few things. Number one is tell me where we are. Number two, get me the doctor's kit um, and, 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 and number three is, okay, let's get everybody out of here and, and see what's going on. And I start assessing the patient. Oh, you missed the most important thing. Well, coffee. That, that comes next. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll come to the humorous you part ask the coffee. The experience that we've gained over the years. <laughs> we've learned a few tricks of the trade, but this was before I was very, very smart. So anyway, so I start assessing the patient. She's uh especially if they're just waking you up. You got to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Coffee, you have to be playing at the top of your game. Oh, yeah. You're right. A game, put your A game on, you know? Uh, you know, they catch us out of context. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've learned over the years. Today, for example, before I get it back into this patient, is we learned first thing is, okay, get me a, a business class seat up front that we can lie her down on. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> and, you know, and you know the rest of the flight you're sitting in business. <laughs> so so anyway, I'm, I'm assessing the patient, and, and she's unresponsive. Um, they started to take vitals, whatever. They bring over the doctor's kit, and they uh, taking blood pressure, and whatever, taking vital signs um and and she the, the woman is not regaining consciousness low blood pressure um trying to get a story she's flying alone not with any other family members or anything trying to get an understanding of what's going on and I, and and the next piece of information that comes in is okay it's the nearest place to land is 2 hours and i'm like okay so they started to treat her start an iv line uh, whatever um, they have on the on the plane that i was they had the, like sort of these uh three lead uh, monitor that I can connect, and then they'll transmit from the plane. This was before Wi-Fi days. Okay, now it's easy nowadays. Today we just open up our WhatsApp, open up a phone call, video, whatever we want. We can transmit. Assuming you can get the uh, internet connection there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well. Anyway, this was before the Wi-Fi days, and and I'm and uh, and and I'm treating this patient with the the, the IV fluids are already. Uh, saline is flowing, and 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 uh, she's running a BP of like I think it was like eighty. And uh, and I won't say she was bradycardic, but go headed there. I, I so I do this twelve lead, uh, twelve lead, three lead um, uh, um device, and they send it up to the captain. This was mm. on a on a Boeing seven forty seven on a jumbo. They take it upstairs to the captain. He transmits it and. Uh, and then they they uh, they pull me over and say if I can leave the patient for a second whatever and I go up into the cockpit and they put me on the, this phone with the doctor in a hospital back in Israel um, on a, on a satellite phone um, and 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 it, and it turns out that she has a complete AV block and 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 what do we do now and and we're like okay we're contemplating what's the nearest place to land and this and that anyway um, uh, playing around. And okay, we, we understand that we need to land the plane and the nearest place to land is about an hour and a half out still. This was somewhere, I think it was near Halifax. I think it was, we ended Dander. up. Learning, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, I've never been there. Um, and, and there's a, this is a plane with 400 passengers on it. And, and this, uh, this lady we're we're treating her and about, I don't know, this was right before where we, the, the plane is already starting to descend uh, to land. They already notify the, pay, the passengers that they're making an emergency landing as a result of a medical condition. So nobody panics on the plane, whatever. And, and and as we're coming to land, suddenly, miraculously, this woman goes back to sinus rhythm, wakes up and is feeling fine. And the pilot looks at me and says, what are, what are we doing? And I'm like, dude, this one's already up to you. He says, I'm landing the plane i say yeah. i'm not taking any chances <laughs> yeah. with that one. anyway we land we land ambulance waiting on the turmac, um you know hand over to the to the team there whatever and then you know they need to refuel and a whole bunch of hours we're just sitting there refueling getting organized until they get the authorization flight pass and whatever and we're back in back, back up in the air and and on back to new york and 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 after this case this was like wow what, what do we do in these distances and i've speak spoken to colleagues of mine i've not myself uh, experienced a a full cardiac arrest on a plane though colleagues and, mm-hmm. and and other members have performed cpr in flight of patients and 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 what do we do and our resources are limited we don't have our our monitors with us we don't have our uh our uh, whether it's the mrx or the or the uh, corpus or whatever that whatever you guys are used to using we don't have our tools with us we're limited to that one kit that's on the plane so we have basic meds we have very basic treatment and capabilities and and we always need to think and it made me think this case really made me think moving forward during all my flights to to think three steps ahead maybe even take I always have my stethoscope with me I've got my basic uh, uh, kit and equipment with me on the plane um, because we never know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and experience has shown that I end up using it plenty often, and I was kidding at the beginning of the podcast about the bonus points. Is that afterwards you find in your email you got to, you you got to fill out all the documentation for opening the medical kit, and you know fill out your your uh, your uh, medical uh, uh, document of, of the treatment and everything, and then you find another two hundred points in your uh, it, 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 that they give you in in your in your frequent flyer <laughs> or, or, or a fifty dollar voucher or, or something or they give you like, like a bottle of wine or whatever but really the truth is that that it really it really makes you feel good it really makes you feel good because there really is no other help there yeah and in many cases we were simply able to save lives on the plane and any of us medical professionals finding ourselves in this situation i think personally will always be the ones to jump up and say yeah we'll come and help right um, so I have based on that, as, as someone who's never, uh, responded to one of those
0: calls, cause I've never been on a plane with one of those calls. Not that I've never been on a plane, I've been on plenty, but I, uh, apparently am the one of those people that whenever I show up, I'm so good at what I do that no one ever gets sick. Uh, um, so that I still haven't had that experience, but what I'm, I'm very, very curious, like, where do you put a three lead machine? I've never actually seen a three lead machine. So in
1: the galleys, they have all these closets.
0: No, three. no, I meant where on the patient. Oh, I know where you put six leads, and I put twelve, and I well, put, put four. Lead,
1: you put a monitor. It's like you do a regular three lead monitor. It was just like so old, you got like two on, on the chest, one on the foot, or no, like belly on the foot with hands, or whatever. Yeah, th- typical, typical a uh, three lead. It was just. It was just it's, it's also interesting to see today nowadays with technology and everything, how on on, on planes they've not come forward mm-hmm. um putting all these technologies on the plane. Why not have more advanced? Why not have all these twelve leads and equipment? Maybe because of liability, I don't know. Maybe they don't want no, to it's have probably problems expenses. capabilities. You got like Think about how yeah, many planes you have a, in your it's fleet. It's a one-time purchase. Right. I mean, they ha- at least they have AEDs on all planes now. At that's least important. they have a doctor's kit on. So you do have your meds. You do have your uh, your fluids. Now, not always the doctor med doctor kits are full. <laughs> so, that 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 the diff- that's very different between airlines. Yeah. Um. Air- some airlines are more equipped. Some airlines are less equipped. Um. And and and. It really depends also on the on the staff on the plane. Sometimes if you're not actually a doctor and I'm not a doctor, I'm a paramedic, right. They won't give you the doctor's kit. And I'm like, okay, don't give it to me. That's up to you. Right. Um so it really but it sometimes really, they also have secondary kits
0: like a BLS kit.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you've got your blood pressure cuff and you've got your um right. basically that's, that's a stethoscope, <laughs> maybe.
0: Um what are what are some of the important things? You said you take uh you take your stethoscope and some equipment with you on a plane. What Let's say what what are what what you would you say or suggest is the most important things for someone to take on the plane with you. Obviously, you can't take saline.
1: You can't take uh, saline. You can't take sharps either. You can't take. Right. They, they won't allow you to put on needles and things like that on the plane. What about an EpiPen? An, an EpiPen. Well, if you have one, of course, it's always good to have. It is right. always good to have an EpiPen. I but mean, they'll let you through security with that. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Usually, usually they. I, I've not come across problems with security when it comes to to uh, meds and things that uh, that we take along, present our ID card mm-hmm. and, and and whatever it is and what we do, we explain and, and usually we get through security. There have been cases in certain areas where I had to uh, dump my, uh, and leave my stuff at security. Yeah, it has happened, but you know what? I, I don't care. I gotta have my kit with me. I'll do my best to always get it on with me. Um, and, and But you know, at a certain point, you, you, you know you're, you're saying I'm only doing a favor. We're trying. Right. It's it's not our job there. It really is not the job, and and we try to help. Um, I, I I could give some tips. Maybe you want to give us some some of the cases, just our recent ones that we had, and then we'll go sure, to some yeah. tips and, and and tricks of the trade for for those going to right. air travel. And when they hear that call go over the PA, some some good good things that that are, that are easy to do. They'll make your life as a as a as someone treating on the plane as a provider. Make your life easier there. Right, so therefore you have to stay. You have to stay to the end of the episode just to hear all those tips and
0: tricks. There you go. (laughs) So we'll talk about two two cases that happened this week. Um, uh, Number one was a volunteer of ours, an EMT, Um, and in Israel we divide between EMTB and and paramedic, which is EMTP. So he's an EMTB, basic life support. Uh, He's on a plane, and an elderly gentleman was walking back from the bathroom um, there wasn't too much turbulence from what he said, but basically the gentleman collapsed and fell, uh, fainted, uh, for the moment. And when he fainted, he went down and he, he hit his head pretty hard on a chair, on the back of a chair, uh, had a contusion, started bleeding, um, and was also, you know, lost consciousness for a few minutes, but came back to himself. So at that point, the, they called for, you know, the, the main cause, their doctor on the plane. And, uh, our volunteer M.T. got up, but there was also another doctor that came by. who was uh, a doctor here in Israel from Adasa Hospital. It was a flight from Israel to Chicago. Uh, the two of them treated the elderly gentleman both for uh, low blood sugar, uh, which is what he was suffering from, and for the head injury. Uh, and they spent some time with him, making sure that his blood sugar was getting back to normal uh, and uh, that he was okay based on the head trauma. They didn't want to make sure they didn't suffer a concussion. Uh, and... They spend the next few hours sitting next to that gentleman. But after about two, three hours uh, into... And they told the 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 you know the, the flight crew came and said, should we land the plane? Said, there's no need right now. The person's stable. It came back. Um, so they continued flying, as tends to happen over the Atlantic Ocean. Um, uh, another woman collapsed and fainted. Uh, and this time it was a little bit more serious. They had to give her fluids... Um, provided her with fluids and they actually pulled the trick of getting her into a business class seat um, so she could lie down more comfortably. Um, not for them, but more for her and uh, provided her with saline. Uh, interestingly enough, this uh, EMT took one of our trauma kits that some of our volunteers have. We're trying to get out to more of them and basically packed it with all the things he thought he would need, which included an IV set, uh, which he managed to get on the plane with the needles um, and he took a picture of it It's on the plane. He's got the needles inside the, the trauma kit, um, and he uh he used that kit itself. He got the saline from the plane and uh, used the needles he brought, uh, for the IV for the young woman. Um, that was about a week and a half ago. Um, you might have heard he heard him talk about. It. He was actually featured on Fox News about it after he got to Chicago. Uh, but then just last night, just last night, there was um one of our doctors was flying to New York. Uh, named uh, doctor uh Nathan Unger. Uh, and he's a volunteer of ours here in Israel. He flew to New York uh, on an LL flight, and once again, the call came out, is there a doctor on the flight? He stood up and said, yeah, I'm a doctor. What, what's what's the need? And uh, apparently a teenage boy suffered an anaphylactic reaction. The flight crew came up and told the doctor oh, he was having shortness of breath. And uh, When the doctor came, he saw not only shortness of breath, but also rash and hives. Um, and after consulting with the boy and his parents, Found that the boy was carrying an EpiPen, but it was very old and expired. Um, and the doctor preferred to use uh, adrenaline from the medical kit on the plane, uh, and gave the kid adrenaline, and then proceeded to monitor him for the rest of the flight out to New York. Um, called for an ambulance, met them on the tarmac, uh, and went from there. So it's just two uh, two flights in the last week and a half that really took place. Um, and uh, you know, it's one of those things that we never want it to happen. Uh, but when it does happen, it's good for us to know a what our resources are. Like what Dover was saying, keep your head about you and trying to figure out where the best place to land is. If you need to land the plane, if you don't need to
1: land the plane. Well, regarding that, we have a good a good friend of ours, a a, a volunteer as well, was on a local on, on a short flight here uh, to Europe, uh, where you have plenty of places to land, and and he was actually on a flight to Belgium, and uh, someone suffered sudden cardiac arrest on the plane. And this was a uh, a not a wide body plane, meaning one of these planes that's three seats on each side with one aisle. Right, as as all
0: the flights are from Israel to Europe, pretty yeah. much. Yeah,
1: and and they pull the guy out into the aisle. Even the galley isn't big enough to, and they start you know they start pumping, performing CPR. Of course, pilot immediately uh, starts descending to to a nearby something airport, <laughs> they, <laughs> wherever. So they, they they so so he. he so he talks to the pilot and whatever what's the nearest the airport whatever It's like something like the something like a twenty five minute um half hour descent to the land from you know from going from thirty five thousand feet um and they're performing CPR connect the AED, shock the patient once twice so three times um and 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 continued uh CPR there he actually got other people on the plane as well to yeah. take over, instruct them on the way how to do compressions, take you need over to. you can't
0: do CPR for 30 minutes by yourself. That's and, crazy.
1: And and they do they did quality CPR. A patient was actually taken to the hospital from the tarmac, um and 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 stayed in the ICU for a couple of days until he passed. But but they were able to to even bring to sustain the situation and bring it back to Rosk um and, and to be transported to the hospital. That was phenomenal. I mean right. going for 35,000 feet. Unfortunately, the prognosis was not very good because we understand prolonged CPR, BLS, um, there, there were no ALS capabilities there. There was not a doctor nor a paramedic, so they could not uh, use any of, of, uh, of, of ALS equipment. Uh, but n- nonetheless, they did quality CPR, basic uh, mm-hmm. BLS CPR and the patient was held in the ICU for 2 days until until he passed but it was it, it's it's very stressful it's not working in, a, in an easy environment none of us as it is we all know that in the field the patients will always be in the worst positioning in the worst place and, and it's always difficult to do CPR but on a plane that's like Ten levels higher of 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 of, of complicated with the noise around and obviously all the just to get into position you kind of
0: gotta like be sitting on a plane seat basically and then performing compressions on the floor which is like a little bit nuts I would think maybe maybe like lie down on the row like get people to leave the row lie down on the row and just
1: push no it's it's (laughs) it's it's it's, it's too complicated it really is too complicated but another thing is when when treating patients on uh, in flight when for example you say okay I'm not gonna land the plane. Because the situation is not life threatening, okay? It's low blood pressure, it's post post uh, syncope, you know, or, or you know someone just fainted, and or, or low blood sugar, or, or low blood sugars, and, and then you're actually starting to treat a patient, and you'll end up treating them for five or six hours. I had I had a uh, a uh, a flight that I was on from Israel to Hong Kong, which is a a ten hour flight, and and mid mid flight, this was I don't know, this was five or six hours into the flight, five hours into the flight. Um, I'm called, uh, someone's uh, not feeling well, okay? Go over low blood pressure, uh, not feeling well, nausea, whatever, you know? And you're like thinking, okay, but the vitals are like, you know, nothing's really looking life-threatening, okay? We're not gonna start landing in, in Tajikistan or something. Um, and, and they're like, okay, so I'm discussing with the pilot, with the flight manager, and we're going back and forth. And we're like, okay, we decided not, not to land the plane and, and pull it out all the way to Hong Kong. And I put an IV line and you're, you know, you're taking your blood pressure every 15, 20 minutes and vitals. And you end up finding yourself like treating a patient for five, six hours um, during the flight. And, right. and then you're not thinking about the points or bonus points or anything. You're just yeah, thinking the bottle like, line. Wow, really- <laughs> this, is, this is, this is really sticking with a patient for many hours. And, and yeah, obviously when you land though, the, the ambulance will be waiting and they'll come up with the lift and, and whatever. Uh, but the nice part is at least they, they ask you all to stay seated. They ask everyone on the plane to stay seated. So the, the patient can be taken off of the plane as we land. But, but it, it really is, it can be really tiring and straining on, on, on you because sometimes it really is a long period of time until you actually land the plane there, because okay. you understand that, yeah, you can say, okay, land the plane, but this is, this is, it will affect so many lives of so many people. And besides, It'll also delay your getting to your destination at the end of the day, so so it's really things we need to take into consideration. Okay. And, and there are people that I know have spoken to doctors and colleagues that that when they'll hear the the PA go off, they'll ignore because they're thinking about liability. They're thinking about so many different issues that I personally don't think about. But and and I'm like, but you'll just let someone suffer on the plane, and they'll like say, I don't want to get into my legal issues and problems like that. I'm like. Dude, someone needs your help. How can you stand by? But there are those who won't. Yeah. Um, well, actually, our our
0: president uh, and founder, Ellie Beer, had a story uh, on a plane uh, a while back where he was. There was a a person who was also low blood sugar situation uh, and and uh, fainted. And Ellie assessed him, did obviously all the tests across the board, and, uh, and like you said, was treating him for the next eight or nine hours. Uh, they brought his blood sugar up. But they gave him a lot of Sweet drinks on the plane. There was honey. There's jam. There's other things. They he was able to treat them, but he, he spent eight or nine hours sitting next to the fellow, and they be, they actually became
1: friends. <laughs> that's a, that's a, actually <laughs> that's, that's an Ellie thing. That's, that's no, Ellie. but that's what I was gonna say. When you end up treating these patients for so many hours, sitting next to them or whatever, you end up developing a relationship. And I've I I have I have some friends, some people that I'm in touch with that I've treated years ago on the plane that we were in touch until today. Just because of this interesting encounter of people you never imagine you'd meet, um, it, it's it's just a, a situation that that it becomes very memorable. Um, because of course, for the put yourself in the patient's position, they're getting on a plane to go home or to work or whatever, or vacation, or vacation, and then suddenly they find themselves yeah. in a in a uh, in a situation that half the plane is looking at them and and what's going on and then and, and poking their nose in and whatever, and then you end up just sitting there. Throughout the duration of the flight with them and and helping them and you know supporting them and whatever, and it's it's it, and it's something that that creates bonds.
0: Yeah, might as well do it in business class. Uh, <laughs> so back to those tips. So back to those tips. <laughs> yeah. Well, first tips. of all,
1: I think I, I I think is is if you're if you're a, a, a medical professional, get in on a plane. Always think about that option of that call over the PA. Is there a doctor on the plane? What are you going to do? So always try to, you know, as you're getting up from the seat, take a look at the map of the GPS on the, on the flight mm-hmm. of where you are, just to give you an idea of where you are in flight, just to keep it in the back of your head. Number one. Well, is that really something that the, that the medical provider is going to be thinking about? Meaning, isn't that
0: the job of the flight crew or the pilot to sort of think, okay, if I need mean, to land yeah, this, but where but am I you going? you need
1: to take into consideration when you're, when you're treating that patient, uh, before you even get to the patient, is having the back of your mind, where are you located? What oh, yeah. How long, a rough estimate. Of how long it'll take you get to get to get down on the ground if this is an extreme situation. Uh, number two is 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 we've learned um, from from the field working on the ambulances is try to make your environment of work as easy as possible for you as a provider with the comfort for the patient. And and we're joking about it, but but jokes aside, keep in mind business class seats on long haul flights on wide body planes are seats that go flat. Then go flat and think about the patient either lying on the galley in the back of the plane with the uh, with the with the plane crew all around them and and pokey uh, passengers versus lying on the and flat and still having to provide in exactly. you know, and, food and, and, and whatever, and whatever exactly. for the rest of the passengers. And 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 sure. think about the comfort of the patient. If they can be lying on a flat bed, that is ideal for them. You might end up sitting next to them or sitting in the aisle right. on the on the floor next to them, but for the comfort of the plan, of the patient and 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 your capabilities of treatment, it, it makes it much easier. So and, always, and
0: chooses for the flight crew also. It's going to leave the rest of their jobs easier. Exactly, maintaining flight. They
1: need to maintain a flight with another two or three hundred people on the plane yeah. there, and and it makes life easier. It also gives the privacy for yes. the patient, and and, and that's ability. important too. Usually in business class, it's less of a. Uh, Crowdy area, and, and people are minding their own business. They're all in their capsules there, and you can treat a patient better. Take in consideration every plane is equipped with um, a, a, a medical kit. Like I said, different levels, either a doctor's kit with meds and whatever. This is FAA regulation, so they do have to have um, some sort of, of ALS capabilities there. Um, every plane is equipped with O2. Uh, oxygen tanks um, for treatment beyond the oxygen for the passengers if loss of cabin pressure. Right. There are oxygen tanks that you can treat a a patient and even for longer periods of time. They have a whole bunch of them. These are uh, usually uh, oxygen tanks that are made for the for the plane crew in, in the case of, uh, of a loss of cabin pressure for them to get around. They will uh, allow you to, pr- to use them for treating patients uh, on the plane, they do have a defibrillator uh, as well, an AED, um, and some of the airlines already are carrying some more advanced trans- transmission technologies for 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 vital signs and whatever to their medical control that they have at their airline uh, headquarters, wherever that may be in the world. Um, I, I think it's important also to if, if this is not just you know like someone is uh, has a bellyache or whatever is if it's something that seems a little more um, uh, severe is to ask to speak to the pilot as well not only communicate through the flight manager but actually speak to the pilot and, and consider with him together the the situation assess the, the distance um, and 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 contemplate what it will require to land the plane or not times and whatever how long will it take to land near or is it worth it to to, to pull through all the way to your destination so, and I think last is really important is really to communicate with the flight crew in general, the flight manager, the pilot and whatever, share every information you have. Don't leave it by yourself. Share with them, think with them together. And obviously, if if, if it's even worth, if it's a situation that seems a bit more complicated to go over to the PA again and ask for additional medical professionals at any certain level, um, if you want to think with together. Or whatever. uh, Don't be shy. Um, We're not Rambo's. We're working out of our uh, zone, out of our comfort Mm -hmm. zone, um, and an area that we're used to work with. Um, And and unfortunately, as we know, patients don't read the protocols and they don't read the uh, the 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 guidebook. And they always try to create uh, crazy things that are out of the blue, literally. So it's always great to, uh, to to find additional people to to think with together to find the best solution.
0: For sure, um, that also helps alleviate some of the liability, if you know. But that's the last thing I think we should be thinking of. Um, one of the interesting challenges I think about uh, providing care on flights uh, that you have to think also keep in the back of your mind is that protocols change in different countries. Uh, so, for example, in Israel, on the BLS level, we are allowed to give uh, IVs. Um, we're allowed to give fluids of saline, uh, not medications there via the IVs, but saline at least. Uh, we're allowed to give aspirin. Uh, and certain other protocols, which are not necessarily true in other countries. Um, whereas the in general, in the, the States- general
1: rule on airlines is that the laws of the country that the airline belongs to are the laws that, that you need to work according to. Now, there are Good Samaritan laws um, uh, um, that that are in place for situations like this. So regarding your liability issue, really work within the scope of your profession and and, and what you do legally in, in, in your country. And then, um, you can, you can even um, share with the flight crew your concerns and get their, like approval or non-approval just to, to get an additional backing of the considerations. And that's why I say, speak to the captain captain of an airplane is King. His deci- decisions are like a president's decision. He works in an autonomy on a plane and he can make decisions that in other places you would not imagine are capable. And that's why when I mentioned, get the captain involved as soon as possible is especially, I'm talking about severe situations, get them involved because they can make decisions and he can order you to do ABC and D and whatever, things like that, that will then help protect you as well.
0: Right. Let's talk about like things that uh, are worthwhile bringing on, on the plane for, let's say, you know, ALS or BLS uh, responders, things that uh, might not have access to or uh, might not be in the doctor's kit that could be helpful. Um, we were talking about aspirin, so it's up to you uh, just how far you want to go and and if you want to bring stuff or not. How much you want to, I guess, pre-plan to maybe be caught in one of these situations, uh, but in order to help the patient, uh, remember the airlines do have their own medical kits uh, that uh, certain levels of responders, based on levels of responders, are authorized to use. Um, and, and yeah, you know, work within your own framework, uh, like what you were saying based on, uh, what you're trained with and what your training allows you to do, uh, and go with that. And I think stick with that for the flight in, in case these things, God forbid, uh, do take place on a flight that you happen to be in.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think in general, it's a great feeling when you get off that plane and you know, you helped someone, I, I it, it's an amazing feeling. It really is. Even though you lost your night sleep. I was like, it makes up for the five, six hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends. Sometimes you get lucky, like I said, and you get the business class seat next to the patient. And sometimes you get the (laughs) aisle. You're like, all right.
0: Okay, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Great being with you guys again. All the
1: best.